Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 444 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, joined by Jill from afar. Jill, how's it going? It's not that far. <laughs> it's actually, that's true. It's actually not that far. Uh, what's up? How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. It's sunny out now, which is wonderful. I feel like the beginning of this week was still cold and dreary, and it is ludicrous how much the mood, like the weather affects my mood now. It didn't used to. Like, I think I was usually okay with, like, the seasonal weather depression thing that people sometimes get. It is, like, if it's slightly dark now, like, I'm realizing my mood is just on a, like, it's just like a hair trigger. Like, any little thing can just make me be like, man, today sucks. So, mm-hmm. it's sunny today. Um, we are joined by two other people, at least one who is also very close to us. Uh, Maria and Regis, how's it going, you guys? Hello. Good, Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Regis, I don't know if you live near us in, in Lakewood or not, so I can't say if you're close to us. I live outside of Lakewood. I'm not that far. I'm like okay. uh, 93rd. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, this is, sometimes we get into our regional conversations and it really doesn't apply to most people. You just made it <laughs> so it actually only applies to like 15 people, which is fantastic. <laughs> Um, so we're going to do what we always do lately anymore is just talk about a bunch of books. But before we do that, we were joking before we started recording. Um, Maria is doing the most important thing on social media in the entire world right now. Um, so please, please share with the world what you're doing because it's so important. And I promise we'll get the books in a little bit and people, if you want to fast forward like five minutes, that's fine. But this is important. So we have to talk about it. Absolutely. I would love to talk about it. So, um, my fiance and I are doing a, a cereal bracket tournament mm-hmm. um, because we love cereal and it's been a lot of days of being at home. So um, we decided to do an adult bracket and a kid's bracket. We started with the sweet 16. It's really hard to limit down to 16 cereals that you're passionate about because apparently I'm passionate about like 35 cereals. Um, we also got a lot of like flack for like not including certain cereals, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. But uh, we have, we've taken it down. We're on the Elite Eight now. And we just had our first Elite Eight, which was Frosted Flakes versus Reese's Puffs, which was also very difficult. So we had to start going to like a legitimate numbering system. (laughs) So yeah, we're judging on like first bite and taste like expectations. And then after it sits in milk and then milk flavor. Wow. Oh, wow. Pretty technical over here. Um, yeah. Did so you guys anyway. have a big, did you have a big upset yet? Uh, well, yes. Actually, the very first one was Frosted Flakes versus Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And Frosted Flakes was like my favorite cereal when I was little. But, but, and I, but I also love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But I think we kind of both thought like, uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is like probably going to win. No, it was like, 
it was definitely frosted flakes. And Jesse, my fiance, was like, I can't believe like cinnamon toast crunch is like out of this tournament. And I was like, I, I know, but like, what can you do? You know, I, that was probably the biggest, the trickiest one. So not only am I like interacting on Maria's Instagram about this, like I'm, I'm like, voting, please. Yeah, no, not only am I voting, I'm like intensely like DMing my friend Maria over there. Like, no, 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 I want to give you more details. That I <laughs> Let me tell you how strongly I feel about. Yeah, I was talking, yeah. We, we had a whole kicks, very, very kicks conversation. Which uh, oh, the only one. Bless. Um, what I, I think my biggest takeaway so far from talking to you and then also hearing Joe just say it before we recorded, I always thought that my family was alone in the world for our love of Cracklin' Oat brand. And we are not. I, that's <laughs> I told Maria we had a cat when I was growing up where that was their treat. He loved crackling oat bread. Our cat would eat crackling oat bread. We would like break it up into little pieces and he would eat crackling oat bread. So yeah, so I, after watching that, uh, when that came out triumphant, of course, um, I went to the grocery store hoping to buy some and they were, there's like a shortage. There was like a sign uh, at the giant eagle that said that there was a shortage. Oh, man. Apparently, tough. everyone wants crackling oat bran. Yeah, and it's hard because like it's a tiny box. It's like yes. almost freaking five dollars, and you're like, yes. "Take my money!" Like, just also true. Yeah. So I have three siblings, and we so there's six of us in our family growing up, and we all enjoyed crackling oat bran. So my mom's buying like seven boxes of crackling oat bran when I was a kid. And, oh, I. Oh, um, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say because you, like you said, it comes in a small box, and like yeah. the there is no bigger lie in the food industry than what they say a serving size is of cereal. Oh. Yeah, and so like a box of crackling oat bread is like two bowls of cereal. And, oh, for sure, it's gone in three days mm, tops. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I was just going to say the last comment I'll make about it going off of like buying a bunch of boxes of cereal. I put in an Instacart order of just cereal. I spent $50 on cereal. Uh, and the person who delivered it was probably like, what? Like, do you have many children? Do, are you, you know, like hurting for cat? No, I'm just, I'm honestly just ordering this many bowls, like this many boxes of cereal. I was like, oh my God, they're probably judging me pretty hard, but. Now, do you have a guess? I feel like, like who's going to come out mm. on top? I feel like Reese's, the, the puffs might it's gonna at least I, I think make it to the least the final oh, two i would not be surprised if that comes out on top i agree um i oh let me look i'm looking at my thing so we have i think that it's gonna be i think the final four is gonna be cracklin o'brien honey bunches votes obviously reese's Puffs is in there and then fruity pebbles versus cocoa krispies is probably gonna be the other really tough mm -hmm. one because now we're not like the flavors are so different now that like chocolate has beaten out chocolate. Mm -hmm. So I think that one might come down to milk taste. Mm. Just, <laughs> this is my favorite. I you are like, living the American dream. Right? <laughs> like you are a role model for America's youth right now. <laughs> yeah. It's getting me all Like literally when Maria posts about this, I'm like, finally. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if you would like to follow me on Instagram, Yes, I'm waiting for ESPN to like extend an offer to you. <laughs> yeah, right. I know they got nothing else going on. Right, the they need programming. This, I, is uh, a, this is a high stakes sport. We thought that maybe we would record the final four judging because um, we thought about just starting a podcast called Serial, but just pronounce you know pronounce Serial the oh my other God, way. So perfect. So we might just continue this and just like. We were already doing like monthly cereal because we can't control ourselves. So we don't have it all the time in the house. So we might just keep doing that. We'll see. 
Well, guys, I'm going to enjoy this conversation because this might be the last time I talk to Maria before she explodes into stardom. Yeah. So true. She's just That's gone. True. I'll oh, be yeah. too important for everyone. Yeah. yeah. So how did you guys like originally launch it? Well, I went on our friend's book podcast and talked about <laughs> yeah. cereal for 10 minutes. And then I, we just extended it beyond that. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, do oh you want gosh. to tell people your Instagram if you want? Or do you want oh, to yeah, sure. Or, yeah, I don't I care. I like, put you on blast. Oh, it's all good. It's So I'm going to have to spell it out because my name is weird. Um, but Oh, but it, it's in the podcast notes too, so it's good. Um, yeah. It's, it's FezML, uh, which is F-E- S as in Sam, Z as in Zebra, M as in Maria, L as in Lion. I don't know. I just wanted to say that. Um, so, yeah, I have to spell my last name out over the phone a lot. So, yeah, Fesmol, Instagram. It's great. Oh, Fesmol. All right. Follow my, my story. I have a golden bowl story. That's what we're calling it. This is the golden bowl. This, honestly, it's my favorite thing in all of quarantine and i'm so glad i'm glad it's making people happy and it's just so nice to see people so passionate about things that they like yeah you know Uh, okay well for what it's worth i have a food book in my list so um all right so as yeah well as always we'll go we'll put all these in the show notes and i'll also put maria's instagram in our show notes um (laughs) so we're gonna do some book recommendations uh regis would you like to start us off Sure. I'll start off. Uh, I've got a couple pandemic books that I've been reading because uh, I was like, if you can't beat it, join it. Uh, so the first one I'll go with is Blindness by uh, Jose Saramago, a Portuguese writer. And it is, uh, it's a story basically about uh, this epidemic that is sweeps across the country of people just going blind. Randomly, they can't see. All they see is white. And it follows these people who basically become quarantined which is a word that's taken on a lot different connotation since this book was written but they become quarantined in this mental institution uh by the government to sort of keep them all there and to stop the spread of the disease and there's hundreds of people living in this mental institution but it follows uh an eye doctor ironically who goes blind and so he's the most useless doctor in this mental hospital And his wife, who goes along with him, but lied about becoming blind so that she could go with her husband. So she's really the only character in this book who can still see. And so she's sort of our window into this world and we see what she sees. And it really is uh, about sort of the inhumaneness that the, or the, or the inhumane way in which these people all treat each other, assuming that no one can see what they're doing and how quickly it devolves into uh, crime and just a lack of hygiene and a lack of respect for one another uh, except for this small core group of central characters who still hold themselves to like a higher standard and I will admit I'm not all the way through it I'm about 70% done with it right now so I'm very excited to see where it goes but it's just one of those books that is so at times so shocking but it makes me feel so much better about just the situation we're in, which compared to this seems so mundane, even though it is a dangerous situation, but it makes me feel okay to know that, you know, it's all right to have your moments where you're sitting inside during quarantine and just feel like, oh crap, this is the worst, or I'm scared, or I feel emotional or cut off from people. And I feel like this book has really given voice to a lot of the feelings that I'm experiencing right now. So 
great book. It's called Blindness. Fantastic. Nice. That sounds really good. Uh, Maria, you want to go? Sure. Um, I will also talk about the one I'm currently reading, which I'm about, say, like 85% done with. I'm looking at my Goodreads. <laughs> um, so I'm reading Veronica Roth's Chosen Ones right now. Hmm. Um, I was very excited. I got a Lucky Day copy, which I've actually never gotten a Lucky Day copy as like a patron. I was like, whoa! So, um, <laughs> so I, I want to make the disclaimer that I did not read Divergent. Um, or any of the series. Uh, I think I was in like grad school when it came out. I was not reading for pleasure in any capacity. And by the time I was, again, I it was kind of over, I guess, if that makes sense. But um, I was really interested because I always am very interested when YA fantasy authors make the leap to adult fantasy. Um, I've been enjoying this book a lot. It did take me a little while to get into it, but I think I don't know if that was so much the book or maybe just the whole quarantine thing. Like I was reading a ton, a ton, and then I kind of got a little burnt out um, and needed to like not look at any screen. And I've been reading mostly eBooks. So um, I think that had something to do with it. But basically the, the really, the premise is what got me on this book. And it's a group of uh, younger adults. They're like in their late twenties. And they were the chosen ones and they had defeated this, what they call the dark Lord, this like enemy who was like destroying the earth um, a decade before as like very uh, like young adults, even younger adults. And it's uh, the 10 year anniversary and you kind of uh, are introduced to them all as how they're dealing with like either PTSD from defeating the dark one and like all the things they went through. It was kind of very like, um, militaristic kind of background. They went on like missions and had to like um, come up with like ways to sabotage or like lure him out and that sort of thing. Um, and then on the uh, 10th anniversary, um, one of the chosen ones ends up, this is not too spoilery because it happens pretty early in the book, ends up committing suicide. And um, there's like a lot around that. And when they were kind of like, cremating him, things like that. They're all at the funeral. And then all of a sudden they get taken away into a parallel dimension that is like a pseudo earth, but it's an earth where like everybody had magic, not just the chosen ones that like used it. Um, and now they're kind of figuring out, I'm not going to give anything else away, but um, three out of the five chosen ones are there and they're kind of figuring out who the threat is on this new earth. Is it connected to their earth? Um, and you know, it's kind of like, who can you trust that sort of thing? Are you picking your friends that you've fought with over what the truth might be on this like new planet? So now it's getting like real, it's, it's real good. I'm, I'm emotionally invested now for sure. And the main character who's one of the chosen ones, Sloan, she, um, is like, she's dealing with a lot of emotional trauma and, uh, but she has like a really dark view on everything and is very cynical, um, and I enjoy that as a main character. So, um, yeah, so that's been really good. I hope I didn't, I hope no one minds those spoilers. I promise they're not, they're not too spoilery. <laughs> that's all right. That sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds so good. Um, yeah, it's, it's been fun. I like the different premise for sure of, of, it's not someone trying to save the world the first time. It's like the second time they've had to go through all this. Yeah. So, uh, Jill, you want to go? 
Sure. So um, this, so a couple days ago, our coworker, Emma, actually slacked me and she said, I'm going to find it. She was like, there's a book that you mentioned on the podcast. Um, let me see. Let's see, see. You recommended a book on the podcast we did ages ago and the cover has roses all over it. I cannot for the life of me remember the title. <laughs> Other than it starts with the. <laughs> oh, great. Wow. And the author might be Lisa something. <laughs> so um, now I'm like invested because <laughs> I love looking for books like this. Uh, so she, it was a podcast she was on. I went back on our website and was able to find it. And it was actually The Winter's by Lisa uh, Gabrielle, which I never read um, because I think when I first talked about it, it had like just come out. But after this conversation with Emma, I was like, well, I have to read this now because I forgot about this book. So this is actually a retelling of Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca um, in a obviously contemporary time. And so it follows a very similar plot where there's a woman who meets and marries um, a wealthy gentleman and recent widow Max Winter and she's like swept up into his uh, estate and his life there but the house is you know sort of steeped in memory of his first wife Rebecca um, and rather than having a Mrs. Danvers there is a teenage daughter named Danny which I love <laughs> um, <laughs> and Rebecca is one of my absolute favorite books I completely forgot about this um that I had mentioned it and so as soon as I had this conversation with Emma I'm like on Libby and like checking it out and because it's now a couple of years old I was able to get it right away so nice. yeah I'm I'm this is I'm all about this so that's uh yeah The Winters by Lisa Gabrielle and also I have to give a shout out to our coworker Ashley who set up our website because it was quite easy to find it with the clues I had so <laughs> yeah I was just gonna say that was that's such a a librarian question and I love it because oh I yeah Emma's also a librarian, so I love that she asked. Well, I, when I found it, they have updated the cover. Um, and so, yes, when we first talked about it, and the original cover she would have seen had roses all over it, but they have since updated it. And so she was trying to find, if she was trying to find it based on, like, cover with roses, she never would have found it. Um, so that happens, but yeah. Nice. Uh, my first one is a, a quick one. It's called Family Meal, and it's actually by Penguin Random House. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. It just came out mm -hmm. last week. But for those of you who are listening in that might not know, uh, Penguin Random House put together this digital-only copy of a title. Um, and it's called Family Meal, and it's recipes from our community. So they got a bunch of um, famous you know, chefs, but also like celebrities and authors and stuff to provide them recipes for what they're cooking at home. And so there's 50 different recipes for you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, which is really good. And I'll, I'll link to the version of this that goes to overdrive.com for any librarians that are listening in. But if you're listening as a, a reader, 100% um, of the pro proceeds of this book are going to the Restaurant Workers COVID-19 Emergency Relief Fund. So it's supporting um, on-the-ground efforts for restaurants and communities and all sorts of stuff. So um, if you have the means and you want to purchase your own copy of this digitally, by all means, if you're a library and you want to add some copies to your uh, to your collection but it's basically just it's just famous people and famous chefs cooking at home and what they're cooking and how they're cooking it um probably is a lot like the if you are fans of bon appetit which i think everyone in the world is at this point um all the bon appetit chefs are like cooking from home and they're showing they're doing stuff like that all the time 
So I just thought it was really cool. And we got an email um, from our friends at, at Penguin about it and the fact that all the proceeds are going to help out people that are in the that industry. So it's called Family Meal. And again, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. But um, if you're looking for a recipe book and you're like me and you're tired of like cooking grilled cheese very often, um, this is helpful. So uh, we will keep it moving. Regis, you want to do another one? Yeah, sure. Uh, real quick though, Adam, I just feel like we should not step all over Maria's cereal idea. We could just be eating cereal right now too. That, yeah, that's actually so, a really good point. I don't know if there's any cereal recipes true. in Family Meal. I don't yeah. know all the way through that, what are the, that's Maria's next book. What are the best combinations? Just combo. Oh, my dad <laughs> yeah. did that all. My dad used to be mm-hmm. like, all the time. There'd be like four cereals that had a little bit left and I'd be like, what are you eating? And he'd be like, I don't know, Razor Brand Crunch with some, some checks and some Kitty Pebbles. <laughs> And some Lucky Charms. And I'm like, all right, well, that sounds delicious. That's the next bracket, Maria. Uh, love it. Combo cereals? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I see. I'm a purist, and I, like, never do that. That's so, why the world needs to innovate. Listen, it's true. I, I got to I gotta get outside my comfort zone. Listen, yeah. we, get, we get that your first, like, few episodes are going to take the robot storm. But then after that, if you want <laughs> us, like, I'm just, Regis and I are throwing our hats in to be the. the Great. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. So I started with a book about a pandemic. I'll do another, my last book about a pandemic. Uh, It's called Mumbo Jumbo by Ishmael Reed. And this one was actually really fun. It's not a serious pandemic at all. It's, uh, it takes place in the 1920s and it follows the spread of this virus or as some characters refer to it, an antivirus that essentially embodies, I mean, you could consider it funk or uh, the jazz age. It, it follows the spread of these people dancing to jazz music and blues and, and basically this sweeping uh, spread of African-American culture across the United States in the early 20s. And so, of course, the establishment, which is regarded as sort of like this secret society made up of Masons and and ancient Templars, some of which are thousands of years old, are trying to stamp out this virus that's spreading. Uh, And so it follows two groups of people and just a bunch of characters, but the two groups being the establishment uh, that Uh, I believe is called the wallflower order that wants to quell this before it reaches New York, which is the hub of culture and will spread this virus everywhere. And then the sort of independent uh, African-American voodoo uh, specialists or voodoo priests in New York, in Harlem that are working to stop this wallflower order and let this, this antivirus spread across the world and and let everyone sort of live and, and enliven themselves through dance and jazz and it's really fun because it mixes in like real uh historical figures it focuses a lot on like warren harding the president uh focuses on like jazz artists like cab calloway uh poets like langston hughes and stuff so it's bringing in all this american culture and sort of sort of mocking it, sort of laughing at it and looking at this weird bubbling mix of jazz and sort of order that was brewing around in the 1920s and led up to the Great Depression. And it becomes sort of like a fun uh, mystery in a way where each group is trying to figure out who the leaders of the other group are and they all sort of catch each other. Um, So it was really fun. Again, I'm trying to lean into these books about pandemic so that I feel a little bit uh, better about myself but this one was was definitely uh one that you can laugh at and and read through really easily nice that sounds fantastic 
Maria, right? Yeah. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have been reading, I've basically this entire quarantine have been sh shifting between fantasy and romance because I feel like those things like re just reading the pandemic books, it's like, this is what will make me feel better during this time. So that's what I'm doing. Um, and I know there's a lot of rom-coms out. So I'm going to talk about a historical romance that I read. I don't know if anyone's talked about it yet. So let me know, but it's bringing down the Duke. Um, it's a newer historical romance by Evie Dunmore. And it's going, it's a first in a series called A League of Extraordinary Women. And I'm not a historical fantasy fan generally. Um, but uh, actually, my coworker Kristen recommended this to me. She was like, "It's so good. It's really witty. I think you'll like it. Give it a chance." And it was, it was so good. Um, so basically, um, the main character, uh, whose name is Annabelle, she's super smart, um, but she kind of lives out in the country. She doesn't have a lot of money, but she gets accepted into like the first like female scholar cohort of Oxford um, in England, and she in order for her to like stay there and get her scholarship, whatever she has to like recruit people for the women's suffragette movement. And so she recruits this one guy and she doesn't know who he is. He ends up being the Duke of Montgomery, super fancy, um, uh, very at the, at the helm of steering like British politics um, at the moment. And of course they have an instant attraction, but they're obviously at opposing ends. She's trying to, you know, like, be independent and be a scholar at um, Oxford. And he has all of his like queenly duties and parliament duties to attend to. So um, it's a really great back and forth with two really headstrong characters. Um, and it's set, set in the 1890s. So it's really nice because um, she brings in a lot, the author brings in a lot of historical details about some of like the day to day of the women's suffragette movement in um, England, which I thought was really interesting because I honestly, this is confession, I don't really know a lot about the movement in Britain, except for like the mom and Mary Poppins. So, you know, like, it's probably good for me to know more about that anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, that was really great. And also it was very steamy, which I like in my romance novels. And sometimes the couple historicals that I had read in the past, I think I was just not reading the right ones um, because they were not that steamy. And I was like, what a buzzkill. So um, mm. I was very excited about that as well. So if you, if you like some steam, if you like historical romances, or even if you don't, I would highly recommend checking this out. I felt like it read a little bit like a rom-com, but with all the good stuff of a historical romance. So bringing down the dip. Also super cute cover. I'm just remembering like way back in the beginning of this podcast, we did a romance one where we had the books um, broken out by heat level. We should do oh, that yeah. again. Should do that should again. Do that again. That I stuff. would be happy <laughs> to help with the higher level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how we did it. Like we. <laughs> oh, they, it was like you guys had it. Like, yeah, system. yeah, it was categorized. Awesome. Yeah, it was categorized. Um, I think it was Emma. And I think Kristen maybe, or maybe Megan. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. I am yeah. going to find, well, you talk about your next book. I'm going to find it. Yes. In fact, I got it because our website is so easy to use. Right? <laughs> it's okay. So it's literally called, it's episode 72. 
and it's called turn up the heat because we're talking about romance and the uh the way that you have them itemized is room temperature titles (laughs) simmer titles full boil titles and then at the end you have books we're looking forward to reading which doesn't have the heat level but i love full boil that is full boil full boil that's right room temperature all the way up to full boil (laughs) these are so good um Ooh, and if you if you do another one of these and then like you have them if there's like some like Cajun romance that could be like a low country boil. I just really wanted to <laughs> wow. thank you. That's all I wanted was that stupid joke and all three of you sorta of giggled and I feel like that's a win. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. <laughs> oh man. okay, so um my next one is uh The Ruins by Scott Smith. Um, if you're looking for a creepy book, this is, this is the one to do. So this is about, um, a, there are two young couples, um, from America who go on a, uh, go to Mexico for what is just supposed to be like a vacation, spring break, getting drunk kind of thing like you do. Um, and while they're there, they make, uh, friends with some fellow tourists. And then when, uh, one of these tourists, um, they go missing. The group has to venture into the jungle of Mexico to look for him. Um, and turns out there are weird things in the jungle. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, the jungle kind of, let's just say there's weird things. I don't want to spoil anything, but I can tell you that when I, I remember reading this book and having no idea what was going to happen and like it just kept getting creepier and creepier and made me never want to go into the jungle ever <laughs> not that I had any strong desire to go into a jungle <laughs> but um Scott Smith has this way of like let's just say like making nature seem super super nightmarish in a way that um is pretty intense uh and yeah so that is the ruins by Scott Smith I spent that whole time trying to think of other words for temperature. I wanted to know that. I was thinking, like, all I could think fine. of was is broiler. So just something to, it's yeah. Fine. Um, <laughs> all right. My next one, I've been doing a biography every week. So my next one is The Chris Farley Show by uh, Tom Farley and Tanner Colby. Uh, this is a biography of, of Chris Farley, and it's told in three acts. It's, uh, like, the, the opening act is his early life, and then the middle act is um, when he was on Saturday Night Live and like the peak of his life. And then um, the last act is uh, kind of like his unfortunate demise and um, kind of spiral back down into drugs and alcohol. Uh, I, I don't know if I've talked about it on here that often, but I think Chris Farley was per- like maybe the funniest person that has ever lived. I just think he was incredible. Uh, to- I, Tommy Boy, I have seen more times than I could possibly remember um i used to grow up when i would have like sleepovers with my my best friend at the time like we would fall asleep to the chris farley saturday night live like you could buy those dvds that were basically just like all clips of this one person um if you've never seen it you should look up the uh chris farley saturday night live uh folgers columbian crystals commercial it's like the single funniest thing that saturday night live has ever done um but people who saw him from the outside looking in like you see this wild boisterous person and his Hero was John Belushi and obviously also, you know, died because of addiction. But um, he was also, like, what people don't know about Chris Farley, unless you've heard all these different stories from people who talk about him, like Adam Sandler and David Spade, is, like, 
he had this huge heart. Like he was just like the sweetest guy and he was hyper religious and like all he wanted was for everyone to like him. And he always wanted to be like the, just like the guy making everyone smile and laugh. And he had this, like, he's just so genuinely wonderful, but he had addiction problems with alcohol and, and then drugs, unfortunately. And he, um, he passed away in December of 97 and just, the story, like the the book is obviously very tragic, but it's told in a really cool way where it's not just like a straight biography of him. They did all these interviews with childhood friends and all these things. So you're hearing these little stories about like how, just how nice of a person he was even as a kid. Like someone brought their friend into the high school who uh, was in a wheelchair and they were from New York and he grew up in Wisconsin. Like no one was talking to this person. And Chris just went over to the kid in the wheelchair and was like, hey, you're, you know, Tony, you're from New York, right? And he was like, yeah. And then just like, spent the whole day like not trying to make him fit in but just like fitting in with him and like, he just apparently was just always the nicest guy so um i love 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 comedy things and obviously this one's a little bit sad but the chris farley show if you want some more information on again who i think is the funniest person ever lived. and now we're going to take a break for a word from this week's sponsor with libraries, schools, and bookstores shut down, how do you keep your kids learning and growing? Books from Literati, the number one book club for kids, are the best place to start. Literati is a subscription book club that makes it easy to find unique and interesting books for your kids by delivering great stories straight to your doorstep. Uh, so Literati actively curates stories that spark curiosity and soften the heart, and it saves you hours and hours of kind of like searching online for specific books you might be looking for for your kids. Uh, and it's just a nice thing because for any of the books that you want to buy to support authors, Literati is going to even beat the Amazon list price. So this is a wonderful way to support authors and also give your kids some new titles with you're probably sitting at home looking for something to do. Uh, you don't have to read the same books over and over again. I know that my niece has been getting these every month and she just absolutely loves it. It's super cool for her to have something arrive at her doorstep that's just for her. And she's loved it every single time. So if you want to get involved in this for a limited time, if you go to literati.com slash pro book nerds, you'll get 25% off your first two orders. This is their best offer available anywhere. And to get it, you have to go to literati.com slash pro book nerds for 25% off your first two orders. One last time, that's literati.com slash probooknerds. Uh, Regis. Sure, I'll give you a, a quick one. Um, my, my secret passion is poetry, so I'm going to recommend a, a book of poetry here. And I'm going to recommend The Tradition by Jericho Brown, which... Some people may have read, some people may not have, but it just won the Pulitzer Prize yeah, in poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of us were like waiting to jump on that. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's fantastic. I mean, he is definitely one of the best poets out right now, but the book itself uh, is out of Copper Canyon Press, which in my very, very, very humble opinion uh, is putting out the best poetry right now. Uh, they just have this group of poets that's fantastic. But Jericho Brown just has such a unique voice. And I know I recommended a book of poetry last time I was on, and I would never recommend something that I feel like is highfalutin or really hard to access. It's just uh, really beautiful words. He's very innovative, creates his own styles, but you definitely don't need to be a poet or even a poetry fan to get into it. And uh, I recommend it because there are poems in there that you will just 
reread your entire life. And I think that's the value of poetry is finding these little sort of mantras to live by. So uh, again, it's called The Tradition by Jericho Brown. And he's just one of the most genuine people on social media. And I had the pleasure to see him, I think it was last year when he came uh, to the Cuyahoga County Public Mm -hmm. Library. Awesome. He was amazing. So I always think it's great to support people like that. So check it out. It's it's excellent. I I think not only are you the first person to say hi flute on this podcast, I think you're the first person to say it twice. Like I feel like you might have said it hey. last time. I'm trying to think. Um oh, and you did was it a fortune for your disaster? Was that the other Yes. I think you yes. said the same thing about that one. I don't know why hey, that man. jumped out it, to me. It takes a highfalutin to know a highfalutin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're the best, Regis. Uh, <laughs> Maria, do you have another one? I do. Um, I'm going to do a children's book, um, The War That Saved My Life by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. Um, I would recommend this on audiobook specifically. It is so good. Um, it's about a, um, a girl named Ada who has club foot. Um, but she is, um, she lives in London in like a really poor section of London with her, um, mom and her little brother and her mom is, uh, her husband died and she like works in a bar and she doesn't have a lot of money. And she basically hates Ada because of this club foot and she doesn't want to fix it. And Ada doesn't even know that it's fixable. So Ada basically exists in this flat. Um, she's not a lot outside the flat. She doesn't really know a lot about the world. And then they're forced to evacuate London because of the impending, you know, um, bombs and things from World War II. And so her mom has to stay and work. So they go to live with a um, older, not, not very old. I'd say she's probably like in her, I get the impression that she's in her forties, maybe um, woman who lives by herself in the country. And it's basically just this an entire character arc of both the woman and Ada um, kind of developing this, this trust with each other and Ada figuring out so many things about the world um, and, and also being able to figure out how to, you know, live a normal life with her club foot because she's like, oh, well, I'm just a cripple. Like that, it is what it is. So it's it's a really great way of seeing how like headstrong Ada is just from having to like deal with everything herself um, and the love that can come between like a very non-traditional family. Um, and uh, the narrator, I was trying to look up who it is. Um, I'll make sure I get it too because I, I cannot remember for life of me what the name is right now. Uh, the narrator's phenomenal and the voices she does for Ada is just so perfect. It's like Ada's like 11 years old and so it's like slightly like petulant the whole time but also like very <laughs> stubborn and it's it's just a really she does a really really good job narrating. Uh, really touching book. Seriously like almost cried a couple times. I would recommend it for anyone over the age of 10 basically um so if you're an adult even if you don't have a kid you should read it anyway so uh joe so i'm going to talk about one of my absolute favorite book series which is the air affair by jasper well i guess it's the thursday next series that starts with the air affair um by jasper ford that's air as in jane air so this is set in the 1980s in in alternate um britain uh, where they're still in the Crimean War, and um, 
literature is a little bit flexible in that you can actually go into books. And um, so Thursday Next is a detective. Uh, she's a literary detective in this world. And someone begins kidnapping characters from works of literature. Specifically, they steal Jane Eyre from the book Jane Eyre. So now Jane Eyre exists without Jane Eyre in it, which kind of complicates things. So um, Thursday's job is to figure out who stole Jane Eyre from the book Jane Eyre. And it's like this super nerdy, book-loving book that just has so many inside jokes and it's so much fun. And it's this like huge series. I think there's like six or seven books in the entire series. And so while the first one, the air affair starts specifically with Jane Eyre, um, the, the more you read in the series, there's like so many other books that they go into, um, whether it's like, um, they go into, there's like a, a whole thing in, um, words are failing me now. <laughs> I always love when that happens. Don't you love when that happens? Yeah. Never mind. Until I remember it, it's not going to matter. So anyway. <laughs> um, but like the, uh, the Cheshire cat is a librarian um, of like all these, like all of the books ever. Um, it's just, it's a really delightful series. If you're looking for something light and funny, that is fantasy, but not it's more like a funny, quirky fantasy, not high fantasy. Um, it's just, I highly recommend this, this series. Uh, there's a whole, my favorite in all the books, there's a whole scene where Hamlet has to go into a Starbucks and order a coffee. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, there's just, it's just a lot of nerdy stuff like that. Um, Miss Havisham shows up as like a, uh, She's like an operative of this detection agent, detective agency. Um, yeah, if you, if you like nerdy book stuff, you will absolutely love uh, the Thursday Next series by Jasper Ford. Oh, that's amazing. Um, um, I don't want to, I'm just going to interrupt real quick because I found the narrator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And her name's Jane Entwistle, which is literally the most British name I've ever heard in my life. That is, that's extreme. It, and bet. she's Lady, Lady Jane Entwistle. Yeah. <laughs> I also remembered. I also remembered the thing. There is a scene. They go into Wuthering Heights for a group therapy session. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. That is, yeah, family therapy in Wuthering Heights. Good stuff. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, my next one is called Hunting November. It's by Adriana Mather, who I'm pretty sure I have recommended every single book she's ever written on this podcast. Uh, she is just like one of my favorite. Right, she's so much fun. She wrote um, How to Hang a Witch. And um, I think the other one was called Haunting the Deep. And she just, uh, she, the original book, uh, How to Hang a Witch, is all about the Salem Witch Trials because she is like a great, 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 great descendant of Cotton Mather. Pretty problematic. Um, and so she wrote this whole fantastic story. And then she also happened to have a person in her family who survived the Titanic. So like her like background is crazy. So she wrote this book about uh, like a ghost story about the Titanic called Haunting the Deep. Both of those are amazing. And then she started this new series. Uh, the first one is called Killing November. And then the second one in the series is called Hunting November, which just came out a couple weeks ago. It's just a really fun, fast-paced YA book about a this, this young girl who is raised by uh, her father to be like 
always out in the wild and how to like learns how to hunt for herself and like how to defend herself and like, can never understand she's like why is he so hard on me why can i not have a normal life and then she realizes that there's like all this espionage and like secret society stuff going on in her life and so she gets randomly sent to this academy this mysterious academy which is literally to basically create uh teenage spies and teenage assassins and so she gets sent there and everyone's like why did this is such a like you don't fit in here how did you get in we've all had to work for years and years to get here and she's just put in and you know as fate would have it she's fantastic at everything and she's not sure why and then she comes to realize that her family is has even more going on than they seem it's just like a super fun fast pace like we need a palate cleanser why like i feel like and that's another one of those fun things where it's like yeah this is a school for assassins like i'm good i don't need to learn anymore so i'm i'm, I'm in on that and then the second one like i said uh, hunting november just came out so fantastic stuff uh, really good. So we've been running a little bit long. So if you guys want to do like one more, maybe really quickly, um, we can do that. I'm watching Maria like walk around. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know. Sorry. I'm, I'm okay. relocating upstairs. Yeah. Um, Regis, you want to do one more real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do another fantasy book because once again, it's literally all I've been reading. Um, I did a little short uh, recommendation for this as a uh, like quarantine read recommend video that our social media team was doing, but I wanted to do more in depth one, but it's Gideon the ninth mm -hmm. by Tamsin Weir. And it's the first in another fantasy series. I'm just like all about starting series now. And uh, it's about um, necromancers and it's a little bit more like um, fantasy science like almost a little sci-fi ish um, as well as opposed to like more of like your high fantasy and there's like nine planets they all um, perform some sort of necromancy as like kind of their way of life um, but there's a uh, like kind of like I don't want to say competition but there's like a certain status that you can reach where you're basically like right hand to the emperor um, of this whole um, planetary system. And there's somebody from each planet or house that um, can come and kind of compete for this. While they're all competing, um, there's like all kinds of secrets that get revealed as to, you know, who's really behind what and who wants to control power and things like that. And in the middle of it are is um, the ninth house, which is like kind of like the really like grungy like um very physical like necromancy they just use bones for everything um there's a uh, someone trying to win this competition and then there's always a cavalier who comes along with them to like fight for them and uh the cavalier in the ninth house is gideon and she's a uh, very reluctant and not actually trained to be a cavalier cavalier she's just been like she's like an orphan she's just been like trained by like some like old you know warrior um in their on their planet and so she goes and she's like oh my god i just want to get this over with so i can just like leave and do my own thing um but then she ends up getting there's a really great you know relationship arc with her 
um, and her partner that she has to work with. And it's really awesome. There's a lot of sacrifice. Um, there's a lot of really snarky comments. Gideon's super snarky. It's hilarious. Um, but there's a, I was very emotional as well by the end of it. So definitely a slow build, but very different if you're looking for like a slightly different type of fantasy that still has world building um, aspects and things like that, but definitely has a, um, a very, uh, you know, like relationship based type of story. It was really fun. And the next one in the series comes out this year. Pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say it's maybe June. I think you're right. Yeah. So it was good. And people can get it now. Cause it was, I think it's a tour book, but I think people can actually get yes. them now. So yep. yeah. And the covers, once again, I love cover art. The covers are awesome. Yeah. Uh, Reed, just you want to do a rapid fire one real quick here? Yeah, so the one I'll shout out is called All the Names They Used for God by Anjali Sachdeva. And it is a uh, collection of short stories. It's her debut collection. It came out in 2018 and was on a lot of uh, best of 2018 lists, which is how I found it. Um, but it's nine short stories. And for me, when I'm reading short stories or short fiction, I think really good short stories are either really thought provoking and sort of reveal the human condition or they're just like bizarro weird out of nowhere and kind of stick with you for a long time. And the best ones are both of those things. And this is definitely both of those things. You have stories that are very grounded, but then she plays on a few different genres, whether it's fantasy or sci-fi or even like historical fiction, she sort of intertwines all of these different threads in this collection. And I won't really give away much because once you start reading one of her stories, you're a couple pages in and you're definitely locked in and hooked. I mean, there's one about a fisherman who becomes obsessed with this mermaid that he sees one time and keeps going out to find her. And, and uh, it just has a lot of really strong characters, especially a lot of really strong female characters. Um, and a lot of those stories have to do with sort of revenge and the, the darker side of human nature, which I think a lot of fiction is about, but it's a great read. So uh, again, all the names they used for God. Nice. Jill, do you have one more? No. Okay. I have a really, really quick one. Um, I think I might talk about this before, but uh, the Tales of Pell series, uh, the first one's called Kill the Farm Boy by Delilah S. Dawson and Kevin Hearn. Delilah S. Dawson did the Star Wars um, Phasma. Yeah, the Star that was really good. Um, these are just like, if you're a fan of Monty Python, these are perfect. They're so funny. Um, it's literally, it's set in like the kind of Holy Grail type of a area. And it's just this humorous like quest book where this kid has to go and do something. And he has a talking goat with him and like a chicken and all these different things. Um, I mean, the tagline for the first one which is called Kill the Farm Boy is literally we're going to need a bigger goat. And like, it's just, there's so many puns in them. Um, the second in the series is called No Country for Old Gnomes. Like it's, they're just delightful. Literally, if you're a fan, like someone said, it's like, if you like Terry Pratchett or Monty Python, and that's exactly what they are. They're so good. Um, it's very much like um, once upon a time in a kingdom far, far away. And there is a chosen one and, um, and all that type of a stuff. But it's like the complete opposite of a fairy tale. It's like if you read the um the true story of the of the three little pigs book which we talked about a long time oh ago. yeah it's like that but for very much for adults this is definitely for adults um don't read kill the farm boy to your like eight-year-old do not <laughs> you'll scar them but it's so fun and it's so funny and it's like a perfect book to just like make you laugh and forget that you're 
um, stuck at home for a long, long time. Those have been on my list for a while now, so maybe that'll be my next fantasy book. Listen to the audiobooks. They okay. are um, narrated by Luke Daniels, and like his, just for like the goat character alone, his <laughs> goat voice is fantastic. Yes, okay, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, he absolutely crushes it. So, okay, I feel like we, got, we covered a lot of ground here today. We talked about cereal, which is most important. Obviously. It helped launch the star career of our soon to be famous co-worker librarian turned serial podcast star that's right, right. wait uh, we get we we learned that regis is a high gluten and <laughs> i feel like we got a lot of genres in today we did, we did. and yeah. i'm just gonna go ahead and like say it now jill definitely just do the romance thing next week i think you guys <laughs> should definitely do that I want to listen in mainly because I, I was thinking like Scoville ratings. I want to be a part of just like the, the <laughs> Scoville <laughs> ratings. Hey, everyone loves that Hot Ones show on YouTube. Like, yes. This is like a yeah. professional book nerd's Hot Ones edition. So there we go. All right. All right. Well, get, thank you both for joining us today. This was delightful. Oh, of um, course. Thanks so much for having us. Good yeah, to chat with everybody. God. And I hope everyone enjoyed this uh, extended episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.